We're going to tackle what I consider to be a couple of hard questions regarding prayer uh, this evening, and I invite your participation as always. Prayer should be difficult because God is God and we are not. God is infinite, He's eternal, He's He's everything that He ought to be if He is our God. He is high and holy. But He wants to hear from us, He wants to walk with us. So, in the natural course of thinking about it, there's going to be some some difficulty where we need to struggle, but the struggle is so good for us. So good for us. So, um, what I want to do is pose a question and explain it to you and then get your response uh, to this. And we'll see how close that... Um, how close that is to the uh, other responses in class, and then we'll move on to our second question, and then so on. Our first question comes out of Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Jesus is tackling these uh, religious people who so pray, they pray so they can be seen of people praying. They use uh, repetitive phrases. They use empty phrases, Matthew 6, verse 7. Uh, For they think they will be heard for their many words. Jesus is attacking their superficial uh, use of prayer. And he says in verse 8, Matthew 6, verse 8, Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So there's our question right there, Matthew 6 and verse number 8. If the Lord already knows what we have need of, then what are we doing praying? Why pray? Why pray if the Lord already knows what we need? What sense is there? What need is there to pray? If, as Jesus says here in Matthew 6 verse 8, the Father already knows what you have need of. Okay, so that's the question I'm posing to you. And so you are welcome to, to give um, a Bible-based response. What do you think? Did I set the question up okay? Did you hear? Did you hear? Okay. So what do you think? Why should we pray if the Father already knows what we have need of? In a way, it's like a natural problem. He wants to talk to you. He probably knows about what you need to It's just a love shown. And he wants us to have enough interest. To, he talks to us through the Word. He wants us to talk to Him through prayer. And He knows it'll help us. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Keith gives a good response saying that um, it's close to the kind of love that is shown between um, um, families here on earth. Um, Children want to talk to their parents, want to talk to their father in a a family, and the father wants to hear from them. But most likely, especially when the children are young, the 
the parents already know how, what they have need of before uh, they ask, but still they love to hear from their children. So it's, and that's a good, that's a good thought, certainly. Anyone else? Okay, so Ken jumping on that, he says uh, it does show respect. Uh, children uh, asking uh, their father, um, even though the father knows what they have need of, it's a sense of respect, and the father then gives them uh, what they need. So similar uh, with the heavenly father and his children. Okay. Okay. So Brother Paul was saying that in our praying, um, it helps us to sort out uh, what we actually need and what we actually want. So the more we pray, the more we focus on God and learn about Him as we pray, it helps us sort out uh, what it is we ought, actually ought to be asking the Lord for and talking to Him about. And it helps us to to uh, eliminate those things which are, which when we th- think about it, and the more we pray, it helps us eliminate those thoughts that, that really are more worldly or more superficial or more tied to uh, material things. It's a good thought. Kind of helps also, sort out. Okay. Go ahead. So yes, uh, as in our asking, uh, we are uh, recognizing who is the source of our blessings. Definitely. Yes, uh, Ken is referring to uh, Matthew seven. He said, "Isn't there a verse that talks about uh, what parent would give their child a stone?" And Jesus mentions this in Matthew seven. 7 through 11, um, verse 9, Matthew 7, verse 9, Or which one of you, if his son ask him for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, in comparison to God, if you then, you parents who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Okay. So you mm, say more about that. But what was your main idea on that? Well, I mean, uh, that's the way God is to us. It, what they were referring to. He knows what we need. And he's going to give us what we need. Not necessarily what we want, but He's going to give us what we need. Yeah. If we ask for it, Father. God gives us what we need. We trust that that's what he's going to do. Not necessarily what we want, but what we need. David, I think, too, that uh, sort of overlapping what others have said, that when we verbalize uh, our feelings and our needs and our thankfulness to God, uh, that helps us to 
Okay. Larry's saying that when we verbalize the prayer, that drills in within us the fact that we are totally dependent on him uh, for everything, for our lives, for every blessing. And so there is something about that, about the putting your thoughts into words as you pray does help us to sort out uh, what is most important and to recognize the Lord as the source of all blessings. So if you're just coming in, we're talking about uh, some hard questions about prayer. And Jesus uh, says in Matthew uh, 6 and verse 8, Your Heavenly Father has, knows what you have need of before you ask. Well, if that's the case, then why should we even pray? There's many reasons to pray, and we're giving some very good reasons to pray. Jesus Right, Roger. Yeah, the example of Christ certainly um, adds to that, that if Jesus felt the need to pray, even though he certainly knew the Heavenly Father uh, knew all things, then uh, and certainly that would, that would be a good example for us, the example for us. We are, Brother Paul, we are commanded to pray. That's right. So God wants us to build a relationship with him. Is there any kind of relationship that can, can work without communication? Right. All right. So this is, this is the reason we ask this question, because we're digging at it here. Brother Kim brings up the relationship aspect, and that's very important. That's what God wants. He wants to walk with us. He wants to commune with us. And the only way to have a relationship is communication. And it's a two-way, it's a two-way street. You know, we have his word, and he talks to us, and now we must in turn talk to him if we want that that intimacy uh, with the Lord. That's right. Brother Chuck saying that, you know, James 4, verse, first couple of verses, James 4 says, uh, we have not because we ask not. The Lord wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. And he especially in James 1, verse 5 says we need to ask for wisdom because he is more than willing. He is generous in his willingness to give uh, wisdom. Zechariah. Anyone else on this question from Matthew uh, 6 and verse 8, comment that Jesus makes? So does he ever give us what we want, or is it only what we need? Yeah, I think he gives both what we need and beyond. Beyond. Um, because that's just who he is. I know when the prodigal son decided to go home he reasoned how many of my hired servants, how many of the hired servants at my father's house have bread enough and to spare that's the nature of the heavenly father he gives us bread enough and to spare and to spare so uh, but he wants us 
to focus on our needs more than our wants. But he's always very generous. What do you think, Paul? State your question again. What was your question? Does he ever grant us what we want, or does he only grant us what we need? Yeah. He obviously gives us what we want too. When you have less, we are in this room right here. Yeah. A lot more than what we need. Right. He gives us what we want and what we need. Does he give us what we want because of our prayer or just because of who he is? No. You know, um, who was the king that asked, who was told that his life was about to end, but he prayed and it was extended how many years? Hezekiah. Hezekiah. Was it 15 years? Yeah. Well, that's a want because Hezekiah didn't need to live. If he's faithful, he would have a place with God after he passes on. But the Lord granted him 15 more years. That's what he wanted. So that, that might be an example of something granted this person wanted. Not just need. Things that we want, not necessarily something that we need. That's a that's an excellent thought. And of course, God, I think this is the process of what all of you have been talking about. It goes toward the relationship with God, but also goes toward our dependence upon Him. And the more we pray to Him, the more we sort out those wants and needs. The more we meditate on His Word, the more do we pray to Him. We're going to become more efficient, more effective in our prayer life. Larry reminding us once again of Jesus praying in the garden, praying if it be your will. Again, showing that tremendous dependence upon the Father, recognizing Him uh, as the ruler. He is sovereign, and that's a big part of our approaching Him in prayer. My thought on this is I agree, of course, with all of what you have said, and then to add this, that prayer is a test from God. It's a test of faith. Okay. Is God known for testing people? How do we establish that? Now look at Job. Let's turn back to Job 23. Since Larry mentions Job. Look, up, look back to Job 23. It's just a way of establishing that God is in the habit of testing us. Chapter 23, this is Job's own words. You know, there's a give and take between Job, later in the book of Job, God, but between Job and his friends. But this is Job talking. 
Job's trying to work all this suffering out. And he keeps saying that even though he's not a perfect person, uh, he don't think that um, he has done, um, that he has transgressed to the point where he needs to suffer more than others. Picking up on that, Job 23, verse 10. Follow along with me. Job 23, 10. Job talking about God. He says, He knows the way that I take. He knows the way that I take. When He has tried me, I, I, have, I will come out as gold. Job is saying, the language there is, when He's tried me in the past, I come out as gold. As He's trying me now, I'm still going to come out as gold. I'm not losing my faith in God. Go, keep reading with me, verse 11. Job says, My foot has held fast to His steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandments of his lips. I have treasured up the words of his mouth more than my necessary uh, food. But Job recognizes that God tries us. He tries us. He he tests us. Prayer is a test as well. Why would we pray if he already knows what we have need of? Well, he's testing us. He constantly does that in life. Okay. Go back with me to, um, well, jump over with me. To uh, Since we're right here close to Psalm, look at, look at Psalm 26. Listen to David here, um, verses 1 and 2, Psalm 26. Beginning verse 1, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, and I have trusted in the Lord without wavering. Prove me, O Lord, try me, test my heart and my mind, for your steadfast love is before my eyes, and I walk uh, in your faithfulness. Turn quickly over with me to Jeremiah chapter 17. Before we leave this thought, Jeremiah 17 verse 10 is... There are many of these passages that talk about God testing us. Look at Jeremiah 17, verse 10. Jeremiah 17, 17, verse 10. I, the Lord, search the heart, and I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So God is waiting on us to talk to him He's trying to see, just like he tested Abraham. How did he test Abraham? Yeah, to take Isaac to the altar and sacrifice him. He said, now I know that you fear me, Abraham. And in that sense, God is waiting on us. God knows what we have need of, but he wants us to see the need uh, for our own deep faith in him. Right, right. Um, Chuck saying that uh, he tested Abraham and telling him, uh, commanding him to go out to a place where he didn't know where he was going. Abraham, by faith, uh, did that. Would you say that every command of God is basically a test? You really would. Especially in prayer. Prayer. Am I going to have the faith to really believe as I pray 
Am I going to have the faith? This is a test. Am I going to have the faith to bring my concerns and worries to the throne of God and then be able to leave them there and walk away with a complete trust in Him? Am I going to be able to leave prayer and go and do His will? Am I going to trust Him to the point of being able to have joy and happiness in spite of things going on in the world? This is all a test from God, a test toward our prayer, uh, our faith in Him. All right, anything else about this question from Matthew 6 and verse 8? You'd like to share. So Matthew six verse eight was uh, Jesus saying, "Your heavenly Father has need, knows what you have need of before you ask Him. So why pray?" Several good responses on that. Okay, second statement from the Bible, uh, in several places, like Malachi three verse six says, "I, the Lord, I do not change. I do not change. I do not change." Hebrews. Uh, 13 verse 8, talking about Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The Lord uh, does not change. So why pray? Why, why pray if the Lord is it, established? It is said in the Bible that the Lord does not change. Then why should we pray? What does this mean for us? says the Lord does not change. What part of the Lord does not change? Okay. His goodness. Not only His goodness, certainly His goodness. Name off some attributes of God. If you had, to, you had on the test right now, name five or six attributes of God, what would they be? Certainly His goodness would be one. His grace and mercy and patience. His grace and mercy and patience. Okay. His love. Jealous. What? Jealous. He's jealous for us. He loves us that much. That's right. What else do you think about when you think about God? Hmm? Truth. Truth. That's right. Creator, powerful. Power. He's, he's love. He's power. He's truth. Okay. He's all knowing. All knowing. He's faithful. He keeps his word. That's right. He keeps his word. And he's perfect in every attribute. Right. That's the part that doesn't change. That never changes. Okay. What about the promises of God? The promises of God. He does keep his word. He is faithful, right? To what? That's right. Joshua uh, reminded the, the people before he left this earth that, that not one thing of all that the Lord has said has fallen. That's right. So, but now, part of God's nature is that um, his promises are always conditional on man's response. And let's keep that in mind. 
as we explore this question just a little bit. But think about it like this. God has made changes throughout history, hasn't he, in his interaction with man? For example, how did he create Eve? Right. Yeah, right. Took a rib out of Adam. Is he still creating people like that? No, it's, it's through reproduction now. Okay. So that change doesn't change his power. It's still his power that's bringing people into this, into this life. He's just doing it a different way because he can. He has a number of ways that he can get his will done. But he decided that he initially he would bring Adam and Eve on earth the way he did. But then after that, they, people would show up through reproduction. Okay. But that's, that's a change in interaction with man. Think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God communed with them directly. Right? But once sin came into the picture, they were driven out of the garden. And, and so now we can commune God, commune closely with God through His Son Jesus because He died for sin. Okay. So it's a change, but, but the love of God has not changed. The desire of God to walk with us, you know, God walked right there in the garden with Adam and Eve. His desire to walk with us has not changed. His love for us has not changed, but the way he goes about that uh, has changed. Right. The way mankind could be saved has changed. Right. Wasn't wrong. Wasn't wrong to live under the old law and obey uh, that law, which uh, previewed and, and projected down to sacrificing Jesus in so many ways. Uh, but it is a change. You know, one of those particulars of the old law was uh, to circumcise the males on what day? Eighth day, Leviticus 12, verse 3. Okay. That's not part of our service to God today in a religious sense. It's not part of that. Okay. Paul explains this in Galatians 6 and verse 15. He says, um, uh, Neither is circumcision anything nor uncircumcision, but the main thing today is being a new creation, a new creature uh, in Christ Jesus. So, go ahead. Brother Paul saying that no matter what law man has been under, it's always been, God has always expected a response of faith and obedience. And we can go a step further and say his grace was always there. Remember, Noah found grace. Genesis 6, verse uh, 8. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, but was expected to follow the instructions about uh, building the ark and also to become a preacher of the righteousness of God, which he did. So, uh, but it's been God's grace through our faith and obedience all the way through. So that doesn't, doesn't change, but uh, interactions with man, particularly for man, did change uh, throughout history. Okay. Think about um, how that God established um, the gospel in the early days of the church through miracles. He confirmed the word 
through miracles. Uh, that doesn't happen today. Okay. Now, the power is in the Word still. God still works through that Word, but He's finished confirming it. And now that Word is in written form for us in the New Testament. So He does not change in His nature, but He changes with the interactions of man. And how does that help us to pray? How do, how do you think that helps us when it comes to prayer? That's right. The changes that God has made have been for our benefit. So his nature doesn't change, but he is willing because of man's response. Okay. Let's look at this principle in Ezekiel 33 for a second. This is very important uh, in regard to prayer. Even though God does not change, he, he relies a lot on keeping his promises and bringing blessings to man through man's response. And if you look at Ezekiel 33, uh, let's see. Let's start in verse uh, uh, 13. Let's start in verse 13. Look at Ezekiel 33, beginning in verse 13. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered, but in his injustice that he has done, he shall die. And again, though I say to the wicked you shall surely die. Yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, then he shall surely live. He shall not die. And none of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right. He shall surely live. So notice that that is the overriding principle. That's part of his nature. It's always been that way. He fulfills his promises to man in conjunction with man's uh, response to his love and his command. And that helps us to pray, to know that the Lord is listening and the, the Lord is willing um, to, to benefit us, as Brother Ken is saying, really to benefit his kingdom. What comments do you have about this idea that God does not change? And is that a hindrance to our prayers? And how can you explain to someone uh, that it should not be? Let's look at one. Go. I think that's exactly uh, the idea that we're, we're getting at here. That though things in the world uh, can uh, grow worse, yet God has not changed. 
man that gets more and more uh, uh, wicked. We remember that um, finally Jonah went and preached to Nineveh. And when they heard his words, the king declared that everybody go and fast, which implies prayer, and turn from their wicked ways. And then God held off. He held off because uh, the message from Jonah was what? Yet 40 days, what? Forty days, Nineveh will be destroyed because of their wickedness. Yet the king heard this, and he said, basically, it might be that the Lord will hold off. It might be that the Lord will not bring this upon us. So they went and prayed fervently, and uh, sure enough, the Lord listened, because he could see their repentance, and they're turning from their wickedness. Good question, Miss Susan asks, is prayer more effective if you fast? Can anybody attest to that in this room? No. no. Nobody's ever tried it? I know some people who've tried it. Have you tried it? I haven't. What about the people that have? What 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 was the response? One. Why was it practiced, fasting and prayer? Okay, we'll open that up. Why do you think fasting and prayer often went together in these early times? What do you think the purpose? And I do know Christians are practicing it today. I know some. I mean, but you're not supposed to tell when you are. You know, because what you know you're fasting. Right, Jesus said don't show it on your face. That's right. Right. So uh, if you're hungry, don't show it. I fasted yesterday. You fasted yesterday? Yeah, I had blood work done. Yeah, Paul had blood work done yesterday, so he had to hold off. So, um, what do you think the purpose of, of the fasting was? Well, when you're not eating or when you're fasting, you're thinking about why you're fasting. And I guess that makes you more concentrate more on Gives a better, a, a greater focus, better focus on the Lord. This is why I'm fasting, so I can focus more on the Okay. You reach a point where the physical senses of hunger are diminished. You don't realize that your stomach's not growling or anything like, like that. Yeah, it's, I would say definitely Paul's saying is it more for the person praying 
than it is about God hearing the prayer with the fasting. Most definitely it's for the person praying. It seems, as our comments have been made here, that it's for better devotion in prayer. Does your mind wonder ever when you pray? Does your mind ever wonder? I mean, There's so much to pray for. So much to pray for, and then do you do you find yourself not finishing a prayer? Do you find yourself thinking about do what? Do you find yourself falling asleep every night? Okay. So. Um, He prayed fervently. But he definitely fasted before he met the Satan. The early church did. Certainly the early church fasted. Especially I think of Acts 13. Before they sent the guys out on missionary journeys. Uh, they fasted and prayed. Um, that helps us to, again, it comes back. I like this word that, that got started tonight. The sorting out. Um, we need help sorting out what we ought to pray about. What, what needs to be taken to the throne of God? And perhaps the fasting helps in that. And I think um, God leaves that up to us, how we deal, how we, how we make it, how we devote ourselves in prayer. Yeah, the Lord, the Lord's Spirit helps us as we pray. Certainly, that is uh, very, very true. Okay. So, um, well, that's a good question about about uh, fasting. But it's not commanded. Um, is it commanded? So, there's an example. Of this. There is an example of it. Yeah. Jesus said, when you fast, do not uh, disfigure your face or grab your stomach. So it wouldn't be a, a terrible idea if you can handle it physically and medically. Um, do what? Everybody can handle it. It's really good for sick people to fast. Okay. Um, give it a whirl. I don't know what to say about that, really. But um, the ultimate principle is um, whatever might be. Uh, in life, might be there in life that would hinder us to be fully devoted in prayer, we need to be left off. So, um, you know, don't do your Bible study and prayer during commercials. Uh, be devoted to God in prayer. So, well, I appreciate very much uh, your help with this, uh, these questions. Uh, God does not change Nature does not change, but he is more than willing to grant answer to our prayers.
um, if we are devoted and faithful uh, to him. There's a big example of this. Uh, I'll just see in it. We're running out of time. Um, in Exodus uh, 32, what did Moses find happening when he came down from the mount? Yeah, they got into playing, worshiping idols. And he pleaded before God. Don't cast them off. Remember your promises. It says um, in Exodus 32, 14, that God, this version says, relented. Maybe some say repented. Um, so I don't think that is God necessarily changing his mind or regretting the warnings he had sent. But rather it is God working on his principle of fulfilling his promises as man responds. So Moses responds in faith. And God says, you know, this is the way it ought to be. Somebody is now responding in faith. And so Moses, by responding in faith, is actually carrying out God's will. God didn't want to destroy the people. His nature is to be generous. Moses comes, faithful prayer, and um, helps in that situation. Anyway, there's a good example there in Exodus uh, 32. So it's not necessarily that God is changing his mind there in Exodus 32. It's just that a new factor has now arisen. And that is Moses has come in prayer. If Moses had not come in prayer of faith, then the nation might have well might have been destroyed. But he, yeah, I think that's very similar. It's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a a preview of how Christ would intercede for us uh, at the right hand. Okay, thank you so much, and we'll take just a two or three minute break here as we get ready for our devotional.